When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It was played in a pea soup fog. A what? All the other candidates have been eliminated, so that means you're stuck with me. We've survived the hottest day ever. Everton are melting down, and it's not even August, and England are through to the semi-finals. I'm Andy Baxter, and this is Pint of Football, the nation's drunkest football podcast. And with me tonight is a man who beat the Heath by inexplicably getting the tram to Wolverhampton. It's Daz Napton. Oh, I prefer not to remember those days. <laughs> it did sound like a bit of a hellish commute. It really, really was. But the thing about it was, you know that most pubs are going to have aircon. So it's ultimately, it's the safest place to go is the pub. <laughs> That's your justification, though. That'll do. That's fine. Yeah. Six and a half hours to get home. Didn't necessarily need to take me that long. <laughs> Come stumbling through the dark. <laughs> Probably could have got one of those horrible buses that stops at every little crevice of the armpit of Wolverhampton. The Midlands, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's... I mean, that, that's not to upset our, our, our listeners in, in the black country, of course. You know, they're all very welcome. Hmm. Well, um, yeah, no, I wouldn't have been wanting to sit on a bus on Monday and Tuesday when it was mega hot. Nah, wouldn't have been ideal. But i tell you what is ideal. We're back for In The Mix once again. And... It's the one-year anniversary of Wardy. Who'd have thought we'd make it this far? We've done a year, a year of reading parts of Wardy's book in the form of a review. Thickly in the form of a review. That's why we're allowed to quote it. Yeah. For a year. (laughs) And we've covered... 80 pages in a year. Yeah. Out of 252 pages. Mm, some of our progress has been slow at times. Mm. We end up going on off on tangents too often, I think. Yeah. Especially when some of the, the content's rubbish, so we should just sort of waffle past them ones. Yeah. I think as it's the one-year anniversary... It's a shame because Tom's not able to make it this time round. He's mm. he's had another one of his call-ups. He's, he's on the FA board for um, one of those disciplinary hearings over in Fiji. <laughs> the dubious goal panel, something like that. Yeah, that's it. In the, when Fiji beat American Samoa 28-3, there was debate about that third own goal that American Samoa scored. You know, it seemed a bit too suspect. So they've called the main man up. They've called Tom up, flown him straight out to Fiji. 
didn't even know you could go direct from Bristol to Fiji. But, <laughs> but there you go. Since the pandemic, I suppose people want to get away now, don't they? Well, that's it. They've opened all sorts of flights up, including Bristol to Fiji. Have we had an episode where we've talked about, was it in Nigeria, the 91-0 and, or 91-1, was it? I'm sure when we do our challenge to name a story from every country in the world, I'm sure at some point it will come up. Yeah. Answer, isn't it? Yeah. So, shall we get cracking with football strangest stories? Yeah. <clears throat> and actually, I think this is one of those again where, yeah, he skipped four and a half years of history. Wow. So there mustn't have been a lot going on. Oh, what year did you say it was? Was it wartime? I think it was still wartime. Yeah. He skipped from 1941 to 1945. Yeah, there's there's a, a bit other few bits going on around then, I think. Yeah, but don't worry, because we'll make up for it with what I think is going to be the first story about a foreign club. Oh, yeah, I think it might be. Yeah, I don't think we've come across... I mean, depends. If you're Wardy, you probably count the North as foreign, but... Blackburn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but from our point of view... We're definitely not counting Wales, Scotland, or the north of England as far as So I think this is the first one. The story, well, in fact, no, what I'll do is I'll tell you my title for the story. From Russia with Lilies. Okay. Yeah. I've done a lot about Russian football, so yeah, let's have it. Moscow Dynamo's four-match tour of Britain attracted considerable publicity. In the 1940s, yeah? Yeah. The third match of the tour against Arsenal was unanimously described as a farce. (laughs) Good. You won't be surprised to hear, Baxter, that it's another weather-inspired story. Definitely a theme, isn't there, running through this book? Yeah. Got issues with the rain, you know, the the sun. You'll be glad to know it's at least a different weather type that we haven't had distracting the games yet. He has said it was played in a pea soup fog. A what? <laughs> a pea soup fog. Is that that sounds like the what three words location of where the game was? It's three random nouns. You should pull that. Mm. Pea soup fog. Pea soup fog, yeah, keep saying it. It doesn't make any more sense. And it was played at White Hart Lane. In- I do, I do, I, Arsenal, White Hart Lane. Yeah, Arsenal are playing at Tottenham for some reason. In the pea. Yeah, in the pea soup fog. Which still, it just sounds so weird, doesn't it? Do, I've got a joke. Would you like me to say my joke? Go on, man. Do you know the difference between roast beef and pea soup? Anyone can roast beef. But not everyone can pea soup. Yeah, yeah. Especially not pea soup fog. You'd be worried if that started coming out. Let's hear hear about this fog then at White Hart Lane. So apparently Arsenal's ground was still requisitioned for war use. Whatever that means. I'm guessing it was for people who had their houses bombed. Evacuated the door. I mean, yeah. it could have been anything. It could have been like an emergency hospital or something. It's like a big space where people can gather. And I don't know. Well, and obviously, and obviously, Wardy won't go into it because, you know, why would he? 
No, he doesn't. But Arsenal are the gunners. I wonder if there is actually a history of them making guns. <laughs> or just the government have gone, where can we keep all our guns? I know. Just put them in Arsenal's ground. Even the word Arsenal as well. Yeah. Like weaponry. It must be something to do with that. Maybe it's so obvious Wardy didn't feel the need to explain it. If you don't know that, you're an idiot, is what he's saying in response to our criticism. Yeah, it's like jazz, isn't it? You listen to the notes they're not playing. And he's like going on the, the points he's not making. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So he says it contained many disputes typical of matches between British teams and continental opposition during that era. Oh, now we're talking. Post match whining shifted between the Russian referee's system and decisions, which, yeah, I guess they had different rules. I imagine the language barrier was something too. Uh, possibly. The fouling. Substitutions and, of course, the weather. What? In one afternoon, the Russians were treated to a range of love-hate emotions. Wow. I mean, I'm sure they'd, I'm sure they'd crave for that now. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's how times change. You don't really hear of many people having a love-hate relationship with the Russians at the moment, do you? Purely hate, yeah. Apart from, was it Bernie Eccleston? The guy who used to be in charge of the F1 came out in support of Putin randomly. He gave like a weird, I don't know if it was an interview or just tweeted it or something, but um, yeah, it was like, yeah, ill-advised. Yeah, sounds it. The public became aware of a culture clash at the start of Dynamo's first match of the tour against Chelsea when each Russian player presented a bouquet of flowers to his opposite number. Oh, that's being nice, isn't it? Yeah. Again, I'm trying to not not be too harsh about the Russia of today versus the post-World War II Russia. But it kind of does feel like seeing Russians being friendly and giving out flowers... It's, it's a nice way to look back at history, I guess. Yeah, I mean, the other thing is, I mean, and pardon me for not knowing enough about the war, but did Russia not get involved in World War II? Were they not bothered? Did they just stay out of it? Pretty sure Russia were on Germany's side. Right, okay. But they were kind of like the background people. Yeah. They were sort of providing the numbers rather than putting the flags up in the Yeah, they weren't spearheading it and stuff. I suppose yeah. it's quite far away, isn't it? They'd have to walk like quite a way. I mean, either way, after this, I am gonna quickly fact check that before before we move on. Yeah, that might have to come out, mightn't it? Let's leave a pause just in case. I'll tell you what. Ask me again. And I'll, t- I'll give the opposite response. Yeah, and either no. way, maybe we should start doing that when we're unsure of... Like one of, like one of those books you used to get when you were a kid when you can choose to go one way into the cave or choose to go through the forest. Um, yeah. <laughs> were the Russians evil in the 40s? Yes or no? <laughs> Send us an email. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, if you are Russian and you want to get involved and maybe send us some hate, I don't know. You can get in touch at pintofootball2015 at gmail.com. So, yeah, love to hear from you. Amazing stuff. They drew the game 3 all with Chelsea, and then they beat Cardiff City 10-1. Wow. 
to set up an intriguing fixture with Arsenal and Baxter. You may remember a few stories ago, one of my favourite characters so far of this book makes okay. a resurgence. It's not Wilf Minter. Oh. It's my favourite manager of the series, recovered fully from his bollock surgery. Oh, what's his name? Jack something? George Allison. George Atty. George <laughs> Of course. He's back, he's back off his deathbed. He stops writing letters to his strikers, telling them to stop being rubbish. He's back in the action. It's no, so nice to hear that he recovered from his bollock surgery. So what, is he now at Cardiff? No, no, he's still at Arsenal. Um, and you know he's a bit of a quirky character he likes to write strikers letters about the lack of goal scoring while he's on his deathbed mm. in this match what he decided to do was include six guest players in his team okay. the most famous being Stanley Matthews and Stan Mortensen okay they are proper star players then we've yeah, had yeah. them you know all this time well, this is the thing, though, because I thought Stanley Matthews was later than the 40s, so maybe it's his dad. Yeah, but also, he was, like, mega old when he stopped playing. Yeah, maybe. Uh, and also, if you're wondering, 1940s phonetics, Joe Bacuzzi, the Fulham, was also in the team. Fog muffles sound and destroys vision. Ooh. I thought he was one of the other players, Fog muffles. Terence Fogmuffles. <laughs> Terence Fogmuffles, what a guy. <laughs> Star player. And London, in the 1940s, provided regular experience. Is it often foggy? I'm guessing so. I mean, London is known for being really smoggy. Hmm. Maybe he's just getting confused with all the pollution. There is one story about a Charlton Athletic match in the same era, being abandoned and the players lying in the bath before they realised their goalkeeper hadn't made it off the pitch. Apparently <laughs> it, was, it was that foggy. Everyone else had gone. Presumably, he was just stood in between the sticks with razor-sharp focus, waiting for a shot to come in. Yeah. I haven't seen the ball for a little while. Eh? It's probably fine. I mean, if you could recreate that and have such thick fog or smoke in a football environment, I would love to see that. Well, you wouldn't see it, but I would love to play in that. You wouldn't be able to, yeah. <laughs> Imagine playing in a game where you can only see about a metre in front of you. It'd be scary. It'd be difficult. But I suppose, yeah, it's one of these sort of exhibition ones that we've talked about, like the guys in the gorilla costumes and the guys on stilts or wherever it was. I know it's taking elephant. On taking elephants, get it all there, you know. One big super tournament. Two refs. Yeah, why not? Gas well, masks. It kind, of, kind of reminds me of Zorb football because you can really only see just. I don't know if you've played Zorb football, but you can only just about see in front of you. Is your head out? No, your head's in. Oh yeah, you can't. Must be really hard. You kind of can just see about. There's a little like window type thing that you can see through but you can only really see like a telescope mm. or a binoculars style so to, to see the ball you if it comes near you, you kind of have to look down or just guess it's got to be right at you hasn't it 
Yeah. I remember we went on a Tom's stag do, and this is probably before you, you knew him that well, but when we went on his stag do, from the kickoff, we went, we played zone football. From the kickoff, all the players ran into each other, collided. I stood at centre back, or, or what the equivalent of centre back would be in zone football. The ball just rolled kindly towards me. Everyone started running towards me. I booted it, and it just went straight in the goal. Goal from centre back. I also like that there was a referee in Zorb football. It seems unnecessary. Well, put it this way, they weren't in the cage. They were outside. I think they were basically there in case the ball was in a position, for example, in the goal where no one could get it. (laughs) Yeah, if you get stuck, you're not getting it. That's a good point. It was good, though. I definitely recommend it. Yeah, okay. If you have any say in planning your own stag do, you should definitely recommend that. Uh, we'll see, won't we? I like the idea of foot golf. Oh yeah, yeah. I guess that's probably more the uh, the the friend, probably more something people of our age should be doing rather than sword football. Yeah, ends up in broken bones, wouldn't it, if we tried it? Mm. You're also very sweaty at the end, and then have to go out. Wasn't ideal. So what else happened in this fog then? Um. <laughs> Well, Sam Bartram from Charlton in a different match was still stood in the fog. Is this a story within a story? Oh, yeah. You know what okay. we like. He likes to, yeah. like, we're always nice. He likes to put in his different styles, doesn't he? The White Hart Lane farce shouldn't have started. According to the players, visibility was down to a yard or two. The Russian referee encouraged criticism by sticking to the Russian linear system of refereeing rather than the British diagonal system. What What the hell's a diagonal system? Is he going to give us any more? What is the Russian linear system? I don't understand. Oh, he does explain. Oh, okay. So this is what happened. I don't know why it's called the... Ah, oh, I know why it's called the British diagonal system now. Sorry, Wardy. On your one-year anniversary, we're absolutely butchering your art here. The two British linesmen were on the same side of the pitch. Right, okay. That's not helpful. Apparently, that's what they did in Russia. They had the linos running on the same side. So who the hell's watching the other side? Nobody. What? Why they don't do it, (laughs) Why are they doing this, Russians? They're always a bit weird with stuff, aren't they? Yeah, they just sort of have their own way of doing things. And I suppose it makes sense to them. And I don't know. But apparently, Britain was the only place that also had luminous flags, which is a do do do. What effect? They were the only place to have luminous flags. That's a good idea. Mm. Of course. It was introduced in Russia once the nuclear power plants all started kicking off. Yeah. It wasn't intentional. That was just the actual lines themselves. They were all just glowing. Shouldn't joke about that, really. People died. Well, I don't know if they died. They just got mutated, didn't they? Oh, that's fine, then. Just grew an extra head. Maybe that'll be the next story. The referee with four heads. (laughs) Be handy for, like... Defending a cross, wouldn't it? Would it? I don't know, maybe. Well, what about if he scored a header? 
would it be classed as like the back right head? Oh, that's a point, yeah. Would you have to sort of nominate which one of your heads was your head? Where's your head at? <laughs> Moscow Dynamo scored in the first minute, but then went 3-1 behind with goals from Ronnie Rook and Stan Mortensen. Of course, Stan was one of the marquee players they brought the wingers, in. Yeah. At time, Arsenal led 3-2. Arsenal made a substitution at halftime. Goalkeeper Brown for goalkeeper Williams. It's only a friendly, why not? Yeah, but later complained that Dynamo had substituted a player in the fog without anybody going off. Oh, just brought an extra man on. That's excellent. I'm not sure if that can be true. But it's one to try and get away with. I'm sure we'll come to it at some point in this book. Wasn't there a Man U team that played in grey in a foggy match? Yeah, that was. I don't know how foggy it was, if it was just too bright or too dull. But yeah, they... they, um... But the thing, the thing with this one is, people just remember that headline, but Ferguson had brought a full set of change kits. So they obviously had it in mind. You don't just do that. Mm. This has obviously got inside their heads. Yeah, all four of them. <laughs> yeah, in his top left head. And this, as someone who's currently sat in a theatre during time of recording, this is something, this next bit, I am a huge fan of because it's very Panto Villain-esque. Now imagine the best of Panto Villains, everyone's booing, and this is what happened. There were also complaints that players from both sides were committing fouls and then sneaking into the fog so the referee couldn't see them. I like the idea of them sort of theatrically tiptoeing away. <laughs> Creeping back into the fog. Yeah. I'd love to see that. Just literally appears into a non-foggy area, clotheslines someone and then just sneaks back in. And everyone, the ref's running around looking for who did the foul. The yeah. crowd are just shouting, he's behind you! Yeah, he's just popping his head out of the fog. <laughs> Considering visibility was so poor, people had amazing opinions on what was happening. Well, yeah, that's football fans, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. You get football fans who listen to a match on the radio and then are definitely, definitely got the right opinions about foul. And then there was also complaints about the last two Dynamo goals being offside and lots of shirt pulling against Stanley Matthews. Dynamo won 4-3 and after the farce was completed, people agreed that the Russians were an excellent team, the best to visit Britain, a passing combination rather than individual dribblers. Oh, okay. That, that's quite advanced then for 940. Yeah. I don't know how, how passing it would benefit you more in the fog than dribbling it. Because at least with dribbling, you'd be able to see what you're doing. Yeah, it's probably not the day to try and play a lot of short passes and things like that, is it? That's a yeah. good point. So anyway, moving on. They went to Glasgow and drew two all and then left for home after the game with Rangers. Similar problems were faced by players during a wartime Edinburgh derby between Hibs and Hearts. The fog-shrouded match should have been abandoned, but it was continued so that German Luftwaffe pilots listening to the improvised radio commentary would think it was a clear day in Edinburgh. 
Oh, yeah, that, that's, I don't get that one. Basically, what he's saying is the Germans are saying, oh, should we bomb Scotland today? Heard there was some football going on and thought, oh, best not. It's clearly a nice sunny day. They'll see us coming. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, if it's nice enough to have a kick around, then, um, yeah, we best, not, we best not go to war. I mean, if it's a tactic that works, why not? I'm all for it. Apparently, that's how we actually won the war. Just trick them. People said that we had soldiers on the ground fighting, but really we were just trying to get as many foggy football matches going as possible to scare them off. Bit of a decoy. Well, it's it's the other thing as well. Look how tough these guys are. They're out playing football and we, we think it's foggy. Oh, yeah, exactly. Get out here. Give us a match if you think you're tough enough. Yeah, definitely how, how it was won. I'm all for it. I mean, first of all, I'll ask, as I always ask, was that peak football? No, it was barely football. I must admit, I thought they had some good moments with the Russians handing out flowers, described as one of the best teams ever to come to Britain, and the panto villain coming in and suplexing players and then sneaking back off. Sneaking off back into the fog again, I like that. The linear linesman situation, I enjoyed that as well just because of how naff it was. Yeah, it wasn't the worst, was it? It was, it was, it was good. And we found out that Britain was the only place to have luminous flags at the time. Yeah, I mean, I suppose Britain slash England must have invented loads and loads of little things we take for granted in, in in the modern game. Maybe I'm being harsh. It probably isn't peak football, but it's certainly a nice story. We're heading in the right direction, I think. Mm. But the one thing that let it down is again we're left asking. Why is it that the weather, he sees it as only being a disadvantage for one team? In every scenario, he's like, oh, Arsenal couldn't cope with the fog. And I think last time, wasn't it Arsenal again, couldn't cope with the heat? Maybe he just doesn't like Arsenal. Maybe we've, 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 we've rumbled his, uh, his, his system. Yeah, maybe he's a Spurs fan. <laughs> so... Let's carry on with our efforts to find some good actual football-related content about, well, it's basically a quiz, isn't it? We, we had Baxter's one last week, which was named the Baxter Machine. Nice. And that was where Baxter challenged me and Tom to basically name clubs that a player had played for throughout their career and see so you could basically name the most. Proud to say that I won that one, 2-0. Yeah. Uh, Baxter, you've already got one point on the mark because you, well, you beat me at the Are You Smarter Than a Groundhopper series in which mm. I think out of 10 questions each week, you got one right, I got none. Yeah, it wasn't, wasn't the best sort of showcase of our knowledge, was it? No, but I think you are onto a winner with what you did last week. And... Obviously, I can't play that game with just you because you would just win because you're against yourself. So instead, what I'm going to do is I'm going to challenge you to name a player based on their football career. Okay. So I'm going to read out, starting from the start. I'm not going to say the year. I'm not going to say how long. I'm not going to say how many appearances, how many goals, whatever. I'm just going to read out this player's career. And after each club, you have to guess who it is. Yep. And 
this player has had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen clubs. Oh wow! So I'm guessing my challenge is to name it before the clubs run out. Well, no, I <laughs> I'm going to say to you, within six. Okay. Within six, you, you you know halfway, and if you get it within six, you get another point. I've done it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you mean you might get it in the first club, but probably not, because the first club is Tottenham Hotspur, and this is the where this player started his career. Yeah, who came through at Tottenham? Um, I don't know. <sighs> Sol Campbell. No. Okay. He then went to Dulwich Hamlet. Um. Who went that way? Definitely. Who dropped down a little bit after he was there? I don't even know if this player started. Went to Dulwich. Darren Bent. No. Okay. He then went to IFK Hasselholm. Jamie O'Hara. No. Okay. Three down. Yeah. He then came back to England and played for QPR. Adult Rats? No. You might get it now. He went to Portsmouth after that. The phone? No. Oh. Oh, the sixth club. This is your last chance to this get the it, point. Yeah. He then went to Aston Villa. Oh, oh, why didn't they get this? This is silly. He should, he's just done a TV show about it, hasn't he? Peter Crouch. Hey. Hey. Whew. Just. Yeah. I didn't know we went to... Um, I didn't know he went overseas. Yeah. Apparently he played eight games in and scored three goals for IFK Hasselholm. Sounds Swedish, maybe? Icelandic? I don't know. Somewhere up that way. No, you are correct. It is. I'm sure it is. I'm sure I looked at it earlier. Uh, and just for anyone at home who didn't get it after Aston Villa, he then went to Norwich City online. He went to Southampton, then Liverpool, back to Portsmouth, back to Tottenham, Stoke, for eight years. Wow. And then Burnley. Oh, yeah, Burnley. So See, someone... Crouch would have been a good one for my game last week, wouldn't it? Because he had lots of clubs and was high profile. The thing that interested me about that is he had a 21-year career Played for 13 clubs and managed to do eight years at Stoke. Yeah, he must have moved around quite frequently before then, like every yeah. summer almost, isn't it? Yeah, well, in 2000, he played for Tottenham, Dulwich, IFK Hasselheim and QPR right, in, okay. one year, in one year. Fair enough, that's some good going, isn't it? It is pretty good going. He's gone from Premier League to non-league to Sweden to what I presume QPR at the time would have been in Division 1. Yeah, quite possibly, yeah. Oh, is. Yeah, it's tough, that, because, you, you know, especially these days, players start at a club and then don't make an appearance or just make one substitute appearance and you don't know about it kind of thing. And it's, um, no, yeah. I've got, yeah, fair enough, I've got it. So happy days. And with that, it's time to give us a almighty joke. Time to go. Yeah, fair enough. Did you hear about the lemonade tidal wave? 
everyone was swept away. <laughs> the, the way the way you said that in your accent, lemonade tidal wave is a great Scouse line. Oh, okay, I'm sure I'm sure I saw a lemonade tidal wave at Download Festival in 2000. Yeah, that's definitely on a drinks menu somewhere in Liverpool. You'll be, shouldn't it? Probably right. in Bootle. <laughs> I'm not from Bootle. Good night, everyone. <laughs>